Like your body knew how to grow your baby for 40 weeks and it knows exactly how it needs to heal. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. We speak a lot about physiological birth around here, but how do we prepare for and experience a physiological postpartum? And what does that even entail? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 225 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Keila Futrell, a postpartum wellness doula with three babies of her own. Keila has had one hospital birth and two home births, and she's had quite an array of postpartum experiences between her three children. Today, we'll hear her stories and glean from her wisdom. Now, before we jump in, I want to remind you that if you're looking to plan in depth for both your home birth and your postpartum, check out Happy Home Birth Academy and the Home Birth Collective. My heart is to serve mothers in their transition from maiden to motherhood or back into motherhood, and my programs are where you can gain streamlined, easy-to-apply information for all things birth and motherhood. And for being a podcast listener, you get 10% off at checkout when you enter the code podcast. I can't wait to see you inside. Okay, let's jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not medical information. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Keila, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Nervous, but excited. Oh, well, you don't seem nervous at all. You seem like a duck, I guess, because yeah. you look cool and calm. On the, right, on the right. Well, would you take a moment just to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Yes. So my name is Keila Futrell. Uh, I like to leave Futrell out because people always butcher it. Like, are, is it Keila Future? Is it Futurar? So I'm just like, it's Keila. Um, and so I'm a mom of three. I have a five, three, and a one-year-old. And um, and then I'm a postpartum doula. I'm married to my husband. Um, we've been married for almost, it'll be eight years in March, which is like wild to me because we got married extremely young. Um, I was 20 and he was 22. Um, and so, yeah, and we love Jesus. And, you know, like, I am just excited about, like, it's hard, but I'm excited about being in this season of postpartum and with my, you know, kids, um, because it's taught me a lot about myself. And um, so, yeah, like, in a nutshell, that's what, like, my whole life consists of. I tell people, I, when people are like, tell me about yourself, I'm like, I live in postpartum. (laughs) I am postpartum. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's amazing. Well, and it's given you such a heart for postpartum mothers as well, which we are definitely going to dive into and and really to get to that place because I want us to focus on postpartum. I want to hear your stories. You know, what were your experiences like that got you so adamant about this crucial time period? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, just like to go all the way back, Mm -hmm. just a little bit, I had my daughter, my first kid in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and the postpartum experience with her was rough. Like as a first time mom, me and my husband had only been married two years. Um, not much breastfeeding help. Like I learned how to breastfeed from YouTube. Um, I learned from Kelly mom, you know. Um, so it was like self-taught. Mm-hmm. And so when I kind of was in that period I ended up being diagnosed with postpartum depression a whole like 18 months after I had had her um and so I kind of like did that work of like all right like this is what I have but I didn't like outsource a village um I kind of like went more in of like okay I have postpartum depression nobody's gonna understand me so I'm just gonna figure it out on my own um and so fast forward I have my son in 2019 
And um, man, that postpartum experience was like beautiful. Like mm-hmm. I felt like, and I had him at home. Um, I don't know if this is okay to talk about, but I self-induced with castor oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and, okay to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, some people are like, don't use that. What are you thinking? You know, um, but if anybody that has a home birth, you know that like once you start to approach like that 42 week, the midwives are kind of like, we don't want to transfer you out. But, you know, like if we have to, because then, you know, we have to, then we just have to. So I was like, well, sis, what are my options? Because I'm not going back there because my hospital experience wasn't the best for me. Um, I still have like anxiety with going into hospitals, even as a birth doula, um, mm-hmm. or like I'm switching from birth to postpartum. Um, but so, yeah, so I have my son, I induce with castor oil. Um, that experience was great. Surrounded by midwives, my sister, my mom, my dad, my husband, they call my daughter, even the midwives to this day, like the little doula, because she was there like doing hip squeezes and like, it was just a super healing birth, which a lot of people, you know, talk about when you go from like a traumatic hospital birth to home birth. And, um, and so that postpartum period was really, really good. Um, so fast forward, like I told you, I end up having my son literally or getting pregnant with my third a month after my son turned one. And so because my son's like postpartum experience was easy, the pregnancy was really easy. I was like, okay, like I got this, like, it's fine. I've done it before. The pregnancy was like so hard because Mm -hmm. just dealing with grief of like, I'm pregnant again. I have to share my body again, like all the emotions. Um, And so go to like postpartum, you know, I have him at home. The birth was like beautiful. Like I told my husband, I want to get pregnant and go straight to home birth because it was that beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like when people ask me, I'm like, it was really easy. Like it was not what I expected. So I didn't induce like everything just happened as it happened because castor oil is a beast. So I was like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, it's intense. (laughs) It's so intense. So I was like, I'm not doing that again. So we just going to wait and see what he's going to do. So I had an appointment to get my membrane swept um, at like 41 weeks in like five days or something like that. Um, It was on a Monday and I woke up, you know, Sunday, Monday morning. And I was like, okay, that was a contraction. So I'm kind of like in and out of sleep. I'm sleeping with my daughter. Um, Then eventually around like three o'clock, I can't sleep. So I just go up front. And my husband's up there playing the Xbox. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, babe, I'm in labor. He was like, shut up. And I've been up all night. I was like, yeah. I don't know what you're going to do, bro. But you better uh, figure it out. (laughs) You got to go to Starbucks or something because, you know. So he he plays like one last game and he finally goes to sleep for literally like two hours. Then the kids wake up at six. Um, I'm still laboring. And my daughter has gymnastics that day, actually, like her first gymnastics class. And so I'm texting the midwives and I'm like, hey, um, I think I'm in labor, but don't I don't want you to be alarmed like. It could be nothing, you know, but I think I'm in labor. So they're like, OK, just keep us posted. So things kind of pick up and I spent most of the day like in the living room on the couch, like on the floor, but like kneeling on the couch, like so all fours. Um, and I'm just like swaying back and forth. And my husband is like, are you sure you're not in labor? And I'm like, no, I think I'm OK. Like, I think because I had been dealing with prodromal labor as well for like three weeks mm-hmm. and it would only happen at night. Um, so I wasn't really like worried when it kind of went into the next day, like in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, this could be it, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. (laughs) So, um, so like two o'clock comes, three o'clock comes and my husband is like, um, so are we going to do gymnastics for Araya? And I'm like, I mean, we can, I can call the midwife and see. So she comes over, she tells me to take a Benadryl and like go to sleep. She's like, just go to sleep. 
you'll be fine. You know, um, she's like, if it is true labor, you'll just wake up, go back to sleep, wake up, you know? So I was like, okay. So I woke up and I was like, okay, they're still here. So I call her and she comes over and, um, by the time the contractions had kind of stopped, but she was already here. So she's like, do you want me to check you? And I was like, I mean, yeah, that's fine. And she checks me and she's like, well, you're four centimeters and like 80% effaced. So I was like, oh, okay. So it is labor. So we're just like excited. I'm excited. Cause I'm like, oh, okay. Like this really is about to happen. So I asked her, I'm like, do you think I should go to gymnastics with my daughter? Like, she's like, you need to stay home. You know, so I was like, well, there's they stopped. Like, I feel fine. She was like, I can't tell you what to do, but you really should stay home. But, you know, it's up to you. So I'm like, OK, so I I tell my husband, I'm like, I'm gonna hop in a shower really quick uh, or no, I didn't hop in a shower. Um, I put on my clothes and we were walking out the door and I felt like this huge like I felt like he the baby literally was like drop it, you know, yep. and I grabbed the door and I'm like. Oh, and my husband's like, girl, sit down. You're not, <laughs> you're not going nowhere, you know? And so gymnastics is like 30 minutes away. Mm. Um, yeah. Right, right. So the class is only like 30 minutes because at the time she was four. So it wasn't long. So I was like, well, just go and just come back. I probably won't have him until like 1 or 2 a.m. It's fine, you know? So he's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. Um, so they leave. And soon as they leave, everything picks up, like as soon as he leaves. And by this time, I'm like, okay, they feel intense, but you know, like I've been through this before and you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, no, I know what the worst feels like. So I like, this is not the worst. So I'm fine. So I hop in the shower girl and I'm like, everything is fine. And I'm literally like, oh my gosh, what's happening? You know, so I call my mom and I'm like, hey, so we're talking and I'm in between contracts. She's like, are you sure you don't need to call your midwives? And I was like, no, I'm fine. Because in my mind, I'm like, I can talk to you. I'm still laughing. Like I'm making me food. So in my mind, I'm like, it is really not that bad. Um. So she's like, I'm finna come over. So uh, she gets off of work. She goes home, gets clothes and comes over. And she comes over and I tell her to grab my TENS unit. And and so like she puts it on me and I was like, that's irritating. Just take it off, you know. Um, So she she lays her hands on my back and she just starts praying. Um, Because she's like, Keela, I think you should call your midwives. Like Mm -hmm. this is getting really intense. So. She prays and and I think that was just the wisdom of the Lord because I just was like, no, I'm fine. So I get up to go to the kitchen and I start like grunting and pushing. So my mom is like, oh no, uh-uh. So she calls the midwife. <laughs> she calls her and she's like, so Keila says she feels like she has to poop, um, but I don't think she does. And so my midwife is on speaker. She's like, no, take her to the bed, like grab her birth kit, get off the tux pad, take her to the bed. She can try to poop, you know, but I don't think she has to poop. So they like rush over and they're like 20, 30 minutes away. Um, I finally text my husband and I was like, um, so I think you should come home. And he's like, babe, I'm traffic is bad. So he was like 30, 35 minutes away. So it was just me and my mom. So I get to the bed and she laid everything out and I'm on the phone with my midwife and I was like girl I have to poop can I not go poop and so she's like Keela no she's like I don't think you have to she said you can try if you want your baby to be in the toilet you know (laughs) (laughs) if you want a toilet baby sure (laughs) right right right. so um so I go to the toilet and I'm kind of just sitting there and she walks in the midwife walks in and she's looking at me and I'm like, at this point, I'm crying because I'm like, okay, this is serious. My husband's not here. Like, what are we doing? So she's like, Keela, you're so strong. You can do this. Um, so she tells me to try to like stay on the toilet for like dilation and things like that. Um, and 
And so I just, the, the toilet was hurting. Like, I don't like the toilet for labor. I know it's great, but I, you know. So, um, so I stand up and then my husband walks in. My husband walks in and I just grab him and I just break. And I'm just crying and I'm like, this is so hard. I'm so glad you're here, but this is so hard. So they try to go fill up my birth tub. And the water's coming out black. Like the same thing happened. Yes, the same thing happened with my first home birth. Um, so I don't know what's up with the plumbing, but like when we take baths, the water is not black, like nothing. But both days I tried to have home birth, water births, the water was black. So the first time I like broke down and cried, I was like, this didn't go as planned. Like I wanted a water birth, yada, yada, yada. Um, but with my second, I just was like, I want to get in the tub. Like, I know the water is black, but I want to get in the tub, you know? Because um, at this point, I was just at my breaking point because um, I was only seven centimeters dilated and I had been laboring since like four o'clock the previous day. So this is almost 10 o'clock at night. Um, so I get in the tub and I just pray and I'm like, God, I just need rest. Like, I don't care if it's a second or two minutes. I just need rest. So I doze off and I wake up and I'm like, I need to push. I need to push. The water wasn't black, like nothing, you know? So yeah, it was beautiful. And then, so with my third, when my husband said the water was black, I was like, it's fine. I'm just glad you're here. I'm just mm -hmm. glad you're here. Mm -hmm. So we sway and then I finally get on the bed. Um, and then I feel contractions, but I also feel like I have to push. Mm -hmm. And so I looked over at my midwife and I was like, I can't do too hard. It's like, I cannot do contractions and trying to push. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, don't, you don't have to do both, you know? And so I eventually just stopped trying to push. Cause I just was like, I can't. So I turn over on my back and the contractions stop. And so I was like, okay. And then I feel the urge to push and yeah, and maybe like three or four pushes, like he was out. Um, but the midwives and my husband showed up literally like 30 minutes before it was time to push. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, I literally did not think I was in labor. I just was like, it's cool. You know? <laughs> yep. Uh, how often does that happen? I feel like, like there's so many yes. times where moms are like, I was just in denial. <laughs> like, right. The whole time. The whole time I was in denial. <laughs> Man, so how did you feel after that birth? Man, I felt, I looked up at my husband and I was like, thank you, Jesus, it's over. <laughs> like, that was the first thing I said. And, um, and I was like bleeding more, which I expected a lot of this, like the extra bleeding, the extra like painful afterbirth pains because my births were so close together, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of expected some kind of like complications, I guess. Um, and so of course they had to like give me a shot of Pitocin and things like that because I was bleeding a lot. Um, but I felt great. Like I felt good. I was excited that it was over. Um, again, my mom is here, my sister, my sister is like the videographer because I couldn't afford one. So I was like, get what you can get. <laughs> um, my daughter was there um, and I like put it on YouTube and everything. But she's like mm -hmm. rubbing my hand and she's like, mommy, you're so strong. Like, you're OK. Are you OK? And so they're trying to like tell her to get out. And I'm like, no, I want her in here. She wants to be in here. Like, let her be in here. Um, so she was just as amazed as I was. She was like, mommy, you did it. Like, you you know, um, so I felt so good. I felt so, so good. That's incredible. And I know that your postpartum with your second was so mm -hmm. blissful. What was mm -hmm. your postpartum like with your third, this extended, you know, not just the immediate. Yeah. Right. So girl, when he was, so when he was born, um, you know, we're, he had like a swollen face, you know, like mm -hmm. swollen. So me and my husband are not really thinking anything of it. We're just like, well, all of our kids were swollen, you know, when they came out. Um, and so, but the next day we noticed like, he's not opening his eye. Like even that night he kind of opened, he opened one of his eyes. Like they were open, they were fine. Um, but the other 
it wasn't open. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, he came down the birth canal a little wrong or so I just like, we'll just let it kind of do what it's going to do. Um, but then day two came and his eye was still not open. Um, and then we noticed like his ear, he has like extra earlobe, like skin, um, like a deviated septum. So we started noticing like all of these things because um, breastfeeding was painful. Ah. It was so painful. And so I was like, something's not right. Like he nursed fine on see my right side (laughs) he nursed fine but on my left side I literally had to hold his head a certain way just so the latch wouldn't hurt and that was on the side where he had the defects at Mm. so um so I let the midwives know like hey um I'm noticing we call him bear uh I was like I'm noticing bear has like these differences um he's not opening his eye like all this kind of stuff so one comes over and she checks his mouth for like a cleft palate, like inside the mouth, you know, um, which in my mind, I'm like, girl, you didn't check that the night before, like the night of, you know, <laughs> like, is this a recheck or <laughs> double check? Exactly. Um, so she's like looking at his fingers and all these different things. And so she looks at his hand and she's like, huh, he has a simian line. Or I think he has a simian line. So I'm like, what's a simian line? You know, so she's on the phone with another like practitioner. And she's like, well, I would just get her to come in to kind of check him out. Um, And so, so all I hear on the phone is like down syndrome, you know, and I just break. I just, I'm, cause the whole time I hadn't cried. I hadn't, I just was taking all of it in, you know. And she's sitting on my couch and I'm holding him and I just break. And I'm like uncontrollably crying because I'm like, um, like how, you know, like what makes you think that? Like she just, I think she was just trying to like bring comfort to me. But at the same time, like hearing all of this information at once, 24 hours postpartum was a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she's like, um, so, yeah, so she's just throwing out all these different things. Like I said, downs or it could be like a certain, like a different syndrome and like all these different things. Um, and so, so yeah, so I just cried because I just was like, what, what does this mean for him? What does this mean for us? Um, and so, of course, I go to Dr. Google and I'm like, my son has this, he has this, um, and so one thing that kept coming up was ptosis and pretty much ptosis is when the levitator muscle or like the muscle that opens and closes the eye um, is weak or mm-hmm. it didn't even develop. Um, and so me and my husband are like, all right. And so essentially babies can get surgery for it um, and things like that to kind of make the levitator muscle tighter so that way it does like practice to open and close so so day three I I just lay hands on my son and I just pray for him and I'm like God you rose Lazarus from the dead like you rose from the dead like I don't know what's wrong with my son it may not be anything wrong with him you know but call me and do whatever you need to do because I trust you um and literally after I got done with that prayer, he opened his little eye. Yes. And I, I just love it. I love it. I'm going to cry. I know. And I'm trying not to cry right now. But I just start bawling because I'm like, okay, God, like you hear me. He He's fine. You know, so we still take him to the pediatrician. Um, and she starts saying like, oh, if his ears deformed, then that means he could have kidney deformities and all these different kind of things. And I was like, well, kidney deformities didn't come up on the anatomy scan. Um, like everything was perfect, everything. Um, and so she's like, well, I would still like get him checked out, um, and all these different things. So I'm a rebel. I, I didn't get him checked out. Cause I just was like, man, God opened my son. I, I'm not, you know, like I'm not about to stress about this because it really had took. So at this time when we took him, he was like two weeks old. 
So for two weeks, I'm not even enjoying being a mom again, you know, a new mom or whatever, because I'm so worried about this and I'm worried about that. And what is this? You know, so we didn't take him to an ENT or anything. um, And we just watched him just grow. And like, he's the most happiest baby. Like he hits all his milestones and we ended up taking him to like a fascial care, um, like a body fascial therapist in Oklahoma. And, um, and literally the differences are night and day, like, wow. because he had so much, cause I reached out to her. I don't know if you know her, but I'm a Chandler Joe Chandler Joe is what she calls herself on, um, Instagram, I think, but her name is like our Haven Hughes or something like that. Um, but her and her husband do fascial work, um, in Oklahoma. And so me and her had kind of been developing a relationship. I always knew about her, but I didn't know exactly what they, you know, did. Mm -hmm. So I reached out and just like, hey, so my mom intuition is telling me that my son has buckle ties. He has tongue ties. And because of this, this is why his eye is so tight. Because when he smiles, everything tightens on this side. Like everything Mm -hmm. tightens. Oh, you are so smart. (laughs) so I'm like putting all these pieces together and I'm like maybe he has torticollis like it had to been something there like in the womb that kind of restricted his growth on that side if that makes sense um so I'm sending her pictures and I'm like making body shapes and I'm like see you see how he looks right here um so we ended up driving to Oklahoma it's five hours from here we drove to Oklahoma and um and her husband worked with bear for three days they call it like three day intensives and um and literally by like the third day he was nursing better he wasn't rolling over because of the tightness on that side and he instantly was rolling back and forth he started trying to crawl so in my gut I'm like I knew it was something dealing with oral restrictions like I'm super obsessed with them and so like I'm feeling around his mouth and it's obviously tighter over here this jaw is like super loose I can you know move it around and um and so I reach out to her and they take care of him and he's literally just been excelling at everything um so yeah yeah that is incredible I love I mean number one you're talking my language. I love fascia talk. <laughs> like yeah. it's so important. It's and so important. Gosh, and I, I mean, with my experience, I you know, I didn't know about it with my first daughter. And then mm-hmm. my second, she was so tense and tight, and I didn't even know until we yeah. started having issues with breastfeeding and she wasn't yeah. gaining. So we uh-huh. took her to see a craniosacral fascial therapist. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, to see her unfurl the way that she did, I was like. I didn't realize, and I was a student midwife. I didn't realize kids could look that relaxed, you know? Yes. Yes. He looked so different. Like the before and afters. Cause I did like a whole like journey with me Mm -hmm. on my Instagram. Um, and cause he was like struggling to poop and like all these different things. Um, and I don't know if people know, but like one way to, they say like to, maybe assess if your child has a tongue tie or like oral restrictions is if they have like little bubbles at their lips, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that could be a sign of like silent reflux and things like that. So he was doing all the things. Um, And so we took him and literally like he spit up so much Mm -hmm. like, and um, Raul, which is her husband. um, He just was like, he was so tense from literally where the, the defects kind of start all the way across his body down to his left foot. Mm-hmm. Like everything was tight. Um, like you pick him up and he goes straight starfish. Like he yes. was stiff and, you know. And after that, like he was pooping and he was actually spitting up and he was actually rolling over. And I'm just like, so for me, I just was thinking, I'm such a huge believer that our bodies are designed to find their way back to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just need people and resources to help our body do what it's designed to do. So to actually see him, like you said, like your baby just be so relaxed and like all these different things. I'm just like, I knew it, you know, yeah. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it was it. something because 
me and my husband are like, we don't, we didn't want, because people were saying like, oh, he may have to have surgery on his skull. He may have to have surgery on his eye and like all these different things. And I'm like, I don't want him to have surgery if he doesn't need to. Right. Because I talked to a bunch of moms. Um, I'm, I was, I joined this group. It's called like craniosynostosis and babies or something. And that's pretty much where the sutures, you know, in the brain, either one or all of them or a few of them fuse together too soon. And so that can happen in the womb or immediately after birth and things like that. And I met so many moms that their babies got those surgeries and it didn't do anything. And their babies still like had compromised, like, like the skull growth was even more compromised because of scar tissue, because of, you know, the surgery. And so a lot of moms are like, if you can outsource and find other ways do that first because it is brutal. Like babies are resilient, but why put them through it if they don't have to? Right. So I'm just like, well, we're going to go to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is what we're about to do. So, yeah. Mm, wow. That is such an incredible story. And I'm curious. So you, I know you said you were, a, you were, are a birth doula, but you're transitioning and you work in postpartum. Yeah. When did the birth journey, like the the birth worker journey start for you? Um, in terms of with your pregnancies and then postpartum? Yeah. So pretty much like I like to think it started in 2017, Mm -hmm. like in my brokenness of being a new mom and not knowing anything about postpartum and then finding out like a year or months later that I had postpartum depression. And um, I was talking to a friend and she was, she texted me and she's like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, girl, you know, I'm fine. And she's like, well, your Facebook posts are like leading me to believe that you may have postpartum depression. And so I was like, really? You know, she's like, yeah. So she sends me like the Endingbergs, you know, like test um, to like fill out. I think it's called Endingberg. Um, And so I'm filling it out and I send it back to her. And she's like, yeah, you need to go see somebody. You know, and so of course I was still in denial because um, I had been dealing with a lot of like friendships, like grieving losing friends, and like the Lord told me to leave my job, and so now I was like nervous about. Okay, God, I know you called me to be home to disciple my children and raise them up, but I want to work. You know, mm-hmm. like wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I asked my friend. I was like, and this whole time I had no clue she was a doula. And so I was like, well, how do you know about postpartum depression? She was like, girl, I'm a whole doula, you know? And and so I just was like, what is that? Like how, you know, so she explained to me what a doula is and what they do. And, and I just was like, dang, I could have used you. Like, why did I not know, you know? Um, and granted, we became friends like after I had the baby too. So, um, so that whole time I just was like, in the back of my mind, like researching things and like thinking about what life would be like as a doula and like, you know, like all these different things. And so I had my first home birth and I mean, it was super euphoric. And I look up at my midwife literally while I'm still in the tub bleeding and I'm like, so I want to become a midwife. Like I really, and she's like, girl, let's focus on getting you together first. And then we can talk about <laughs> Let's get you to the bed. (laughs) Let's get you to the bed, you know, calm down. So, so I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like just the support, you know, like you don't know you need it until you have it. And you're just like, why does not every mom have this, you know? Um, And so after maybe a few months after, maybe four months, because I just like, no, I want to be a midwife. So she's like, well, look into becoming a doula first. That'll help you get your feet wet, see if it's for you. Um, And then from there, we can talk about what it looks like for you to be an apprentice and things like that. So um, that same year, like four or eight months, six months after my son was born, I went through training um, to become a birth doula. I didn't, I didn't finish like the certification part of it. Um, but I still like went to births and things like that. Um, and just from there, 
I just was like, so initially it was, I don't want what happened to me, like in my first birth to happen to other moms, you know, like I wanted to be able to walk you through making those decisions and what that looks like, what to know as far as like medical lingo to listen to, you know, so you're not bullied into something. So that was kind of like my whole premise of why I wanted to become a birth doula. Like I wasn't even thinking about postpartum Mm -hmm. until like later into my postpartum journey, like with my own. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, man, like I'm still healing. Like my son is still eight, eight months old and I'm still recovering and I'm still healing and I'm still processing. Um, And I just was like, dang, so how many other moms are going through the same exact thing? And I'm months down the line and look up and I'm 18 months with postpartum depression, you know? And so, and so from there, I kind of, that's kind of how I like dipped my toe into birth work. Wow. Yeah. And so now, so you went from this birth doula to you're focusing on postpartum. What has that been like? And and what does that look like? And and what's so exciting about postpartum for you? Like, why is yeah. this? Just tell me everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talked briefly before this, like about just my anxiety in hospitals in general, because of like what I went through. And I know I reached out to you and was like, Hey, I'm a student in Kali's like birth worker Academy. And she has this whole module called self mastery. And this is self mastery is all about like you taking radical responsibility for like the part you play in the world and like your sphere of influence and using that or along with that, how do you move in the birth world with unbiased kind of, you know, persona, or I guess. Um, And so as I was going through it, and you know, you answer questions like, are you willing to let this go? Are you willing to, you know, if you have a client that wants all the interventions and all the things, how are you still going to show up for her? Like, what does showing up for her look like? And I just was sitting there like, "Mm mm-mm. I'm not <laughs> like, and, and I had already had two other birth clients and, um, I went to the hospital with one of them and I'm like t- asking the nurse, um, because the mom wasn't talking or anything. And so I was like, yeah, she wants to know, like, she's cold. Can she get a blanket? And so she's just like, yeah, I'll get her one, you know, like just very, you know, and I'm just like, something's just rising up in me. And I'm like, this is why I don't like the hospitals. You know, like, I just don't understand how a mom, I don't understand how a mom can come to a hospital um, because we're looking at the hospital, especially as like birthing moms. is like, I'm coming here to get care. I'm coming here to get support. I'm coming here because I believe you have my best interest, but then something as small as a blanket, you don't want to give it to her. Right. You know? <laughs> like, and so, and that little thing triggered me because I'm just like, so how much more if she wants, you know, a shower or she wants food or she wants, you know, how snarky will you continue to be with her? You know, so she wants to go home and her doctor's like, well, no, she can stay and we want her to walk for two hours and hopefully we can get her to dilate. So I'm telling her, I'm like, girl, you can go home. You can go home and dilate at home, <laughs> you know, like you can get in your bed, you can eat. So she stays for another few hours and she's still not dilated. So she's miserable. She's tired. So eventually she goes home. Um, and, and yeah, like she has her baby, you know, like everything was fine for her. Um, but that like really confirmed for me how I have been feeling because I have been feeling pulled to postpartum like I told you since having my son Mm -hmm. and I kept trying to force it knowing like the Lord was like no (laughs) you know like you you tried it out I let you do it your way but this is this is where I need you right now um and so so yeah so I eventually was like I'm not gonna I January 1, I stopped accepting birth clients. 
Um, Because I was already supporting people postpartum, but I was doing birth at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And also being a postpartum mom, I was like, I can't do both. Um, I'm either going to give my all to birth or I'm going to give my all to postpartum, but I cannot do both. And so I eventually cut all that off and now full-time postpartum doula. And man, I feel like postpartum can be such an exciting time you know, um, for moms, because like, you have this time where I so I host like postpartum events for moms here. Um, And one of the speakers who's my friend, she said she was like, postpartum has a way of like cracking us open. So that we can really, really like see ourselves and it's not to like bring shame to us. Mm -hmm. It's not to you know, make us resent anybody or anything, but it's really to crack us open. And I believe like what the Lord reveals to us through our brokenness, he wants to heal. And I feel like postpartum is that time. And so when I was kind of going through that journey with my third and I'm just like, all right, God, it's just me, you and Bear, you know, like we're going to figure this out. Um, Like, why am I so triggered by this or just whatever, And I'm just like knowing, so I did a lot of research um, during that time when he, you know, between newborn and four months, I did a lot of research and still researching, but um, I had came across like Weston A. Price's like work. Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) And I just was like, oh my God, like it makes sense, you know? And, and I wasn't necessarily blaming myself. Or like what happened to my son. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for taking radical responsibility. And that doesn't mean like you shame yourself or beat yourself up. But when you know better, you do better. And I feel like for us to know better, we have to take responsibility, you know. And so um, all the way down to even being irresponsible in having, you know, another baby, knowing I needed that time to replenish and heal, um, is radical responsibility on my part. You know, like I knew I was fertile and I knew I shouldn't have did anything, (laughs) you know? So during that time and just learning about his work and just the essential minerals and vitamins we need and babies need during that time and like why child spacing is so important and why just all these things were kind of coming at me like a fire hydrant of like, okay, this is probably why bear ended up the way that he was born, you know? And like, like I said, nothing is wrong with him, but I'm just like, man, I could have set him up for a better, you know, growing journey in my womb or just whatever. Had I known how crucial nourishing your body and replenishing your stores were like that important. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love postpartum work because, and I, and I meet with moms like during like the second to third trimester, like my hope is that they find like somebody that they can trust to be a resource so that before they have their baby, that they are already, you know, like conception resources and all those kind of things. But um, I specifically work with these second and third trimester moms to help them prepare for postpartum. So I'm always like, prepare during pregnancy for your postpartum. Like you don't wait until your postpartum and be like, all right, so I'm going to get the notes app on my phone and this is what we're going to do. Like at that time, you're already in the thick of it and you're already dealing with newborn and maybe other kids and just all the things. So Mm -hmm. the overwhelm, the Mm -hmm. sleeplessness, the exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's not a learning. It's not a good time to learn. It's like, you know, If we can prepare beforehand, how much better. And one of the things that you and I were talking about before we started recording was the idea of how, you know, home birth is incredible and birth is amazing. And the way that we give birth can be so influential in how we experience postpartum. Similarly to what you you mentioned with your second birth and your second postpartum. But, you know, home birth, you, you have a, you go through the birthing process. It's, a few hours to a few days long usually. And then, and then we're now in postpartum, but postpartum doesn't have the end date, like the birthing process. Right. Right. And literally I'm always telling my clients that just like, like when you talked about, just like there's physiological birth, 
it's physiological postpartum. Like your body knew how to grow your baby for 40 weeks and it knows exactly how it needs to heal. But it cannot do that if we don't have the resources and like the support and the help and the food, like the nourishing foods to do that. And just as far as like research and how like if you don't take care of yourself during those first like 40 weeks, I think it's a quote I read that like how a mom heals for those first 40 days determines like how she is like for the next 42 years or something like that. And it just blew my mind because one, I'm just like, okay, God, 40 weeks. 40 days, 42 years, you know, like, but I'm just like, wow. So how can I kind of bridge that gap to help moms understand what that physiological postpartum healing looks like, you know? And so in that, during that time with just me and my son in my dark room and just figuring out like what this journey looks like for me. I use that time to like really nourish myself. Like I did not get out of the bed. Like I went to the bathroom, to the bed and, you know, was topless most of the time, you know, like I really was like, okay, now that I know better, like how can I put myself first in in a sense, but also like really, really show my body. I love it by the way that I nourish her and I heal her, you know, so. Yes. Showing that appreciation for Mm -hmm. like, hey, you just grew – well, number one, you just grew two humans back-to-back, really. And, you know, and you breastfed, you you nursed, you're nursing now. Like, it's so much. Thank you. Thank you for doing all that you have done. I want to support you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, like, so many moms feel like postpartum is so unfair, you Mm. know? And And it's times when it does feel like that. But I found like when I lean into those feelings of it feeling unfair, a lot of the time is because I'm trying to rush a process Uh or I'm trying to like, you know, get back in the gym or just whatever, you know, like I want to move in a way that I was moving before. And it's like, no, like my body doesn't need that. And like you said, I'm just like, girl, you gave birth two times back to back breastfed, you know, like. I weaned my son at one and then nine months later was back nursing. So it's like your my body was ultimately she she just weak, you know, and she really, really, really needed that help and nourishment. And so yeah, I I love it. I love that. And I love the perspective that you bring to it too. And a lot of times I was actually speaking to my moms inside of the Home Birth Collective today. We were talking about matrescence and that that transition into motherhood and how a lot of this is also it's the pushback from society, you know, this idea right. of what does it look like? You know, you're supposed to bounce back. You're supposed to be right. who you were beforehand. And the truth is, is you're never going back. Okay. You're never going to be that person. You yeah. went from caterpillar to butterfly. Why would you even want right. to go back? Right. You know, yeah. let's enjoy the fact that we can now flutter around and suck right. nectar out of flowers. Yeah. But if we sit here wishing that we were somewhere else, we're going to miss the gift of right now and today, and we're going to end up in an exhausted heap. Right. Yes. Like I was reading, um, I want to say it was the first 40 days, like I was reading her book and how she just talks about where, you know, like in Chinese culture, how they believe, like if you don't take that time to heal how that can make you so susceptible to things like postpartum depression or fatigue and anxiety and things like that. And it's like, dang, you know, like when we really understand the importance of healing and like me, you said, like the appreciation of our bodies, I think that does or can like translate into how we enter postpartum. You know what I'm saying? Of like, this is not a death sentence. This does not mean, you know, you will be tired forever and you'll be sitting in your bed forever. But it does mean that you get a chance to bond. You get a chance to really listen to your body. And I think because we live in this rushed society that because society like prioritizes rush, 
we don't rest, you know? And so it's like, how can I help moms like not, how can I help moms rest over rush? Like, how can I help you know what that looks like for you? You know? Um, And how can we work on mindset shifting on what you thought postpartum was supposed to look like, you know, because snapback culture is not our friends. And I'm just like, postpartum moms it may be for everybody else but for postpartum moms it's not you know Mm -hmm. like snapback culture is not our friend and so it's like yeah I I've just been in my mind also dealing with these same thoughts of like Keela why are you so freaking worried about postpartum and like what your body is supposed to look like or what you think your body is supposed to be doing or like why are you so worried about that you know and so yeah like and just seeing those things in my son um it made me realize how I didn't prioritize myself postpartum Mm -hmm. with my middle boy (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. that kid that kid like when you have three (laughs) or four it's just yeah that one you know Yeah, Um, yeah and so like I started back working out when I was like eight months postpartum with him. Um, of course, like I was trying to prioritize eating, but I was literally only eating like 1100 calories. Oh yeah. Like, wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I wasn't, when I started tracking how much I was eating, because you know, it is this thing of like, dang, I'm hungry again. And I now I have to eat again. You know, like you think you're eating a lot, but when I looked at the, app I was like 1100 calories that's why I'm always hungry you know um and so so yeah like I think it's just super important to really focus on what that postpartum healing journey is supposed to be like not what you want it to be like but what is it supposed to be like and just sitting with that and accepting it and being like okay I don't like what it's supposed to be like but I know it's for my benefit you know so I'm gonna do it you know Right. I'm not going to fight it because fighting it is, I mean, then we're exerting more energy on, Mm -hmm. on fighting something that just is what it is. Right. And it's like, our bodies know how to heal. Like, um, I had another speaker at the event and she was just talking about like, um, like that postpartum, like ravenous, like hunger that we feel. And, and she talked about how like ghrelin is like the hunger hormone that actually, is super, super high because we are breastfeeding and our body knows like the amount of energy it needs and the amount of fuel it needs. And so she's like, you're not just hungry because you want to binge or because you want to, you know, whatever, like your body is literally doing it by nature. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's like your body knew how to grow your baby. Your body knows how to nourish you. Your body knows what it needs, you know? And so it's like even in birth of like, don't fight the contractions, like mm-hmm. lean into them, ride that wave and release it, you know? And I think it's the same with postpartum. Like you lean into that uncomfortableness. They're like, man, I really want to go work out, but I know that I need to lay here for a couple more weeks. So just whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. And so, yeah, like just knowing that we're hungry for a purpose and it's not, you know how they say like we're, we go through the pain for a purpose. Like we're hungry for a purpose. Like we're bleeding postpartum for a purpose. Like everything has its place and its purpose in postpartum. And my goal is just to help moms realize that and make sense of it. Because a lot of us don't know, you know, that postpartum is supposed to be um, this slow kind of like walk, you know, like this slow kind of dance with you and your body and your baby and like whatever that looks like for you. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, my word, Keela. This was so good. So informative. I know that there are going to be so many listeners who are like, I would like to know more about this lady. So would you mind sharing what it is that you do, like what you offer and then uh, where people can find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, So just full transparency, I realized that my website be tried to come out and I didn't pay it. So I'm paying that as soon as we get off of here. <laughs> but um, but for so in short, like what I offer, um, in my mind, like it's super simple, like offers. Um, I offer like a postpartum pick my brain, like for maybe like the 
fourth time mom or third time mom, just whatever. And maybe, you know, she needs help meal planning. Like you can book a pick my brain call um, and we help go over that. Or if you need help postpartum planning, like I'm always telling mom, plan for your postpartum like you plan for your birth, you know, like you plan the exact same way. So I tailor make postpartum plans for moms. Um, So I do that. But then I also do postpartum wellness coaching, uh, which like is a more in-depth three-month process that we start in the third trimester. And that's just pretty much like demystifying like whatever lies you believed about postpartum, like doing that mindset shift in work, but then also like putting in place, um, you know, like who's going to support you, who's going like who's going to provide food for you? Do I need to come to your house and like help you batch plan? Like, what does this look like for you? But we also talk about like replenishing your minerals. And so I give you like the whole, you know, adrenal cocktails and just all the nourishing bone broth recipes. Um, And if they're local, I actually like come to your house. So Mm -hmm. I'm working on this summer launching meal and snack services to postpartum moms. Where I just like, yeah, I just drop it off and I leave, you know, like I want you to really sit in this postpartum, you know, trifecta with you, your body and your baby. Um, And and yeah, so those literally like the only two things that I'm offering right now. Um, I'm trying to I have a couple clients lined up. Have you ever heard of the seven sisters uh, or like, yeah, the seven sisters technique? It sounds familiar, but I would not ever say like, yes, I know what that is. (laughs) Well, somebody reached out to me and asked if I had ever heard of it. And I was like, no. So pretty much she was like, it's this like traditional culture, Western culture thing where for seven days, seven women come to your house um, and provide you support. So mm-hmm. one day it may be Caitlin, the next day it may be Keila and Keila may bring food. And then like Molly may hold your baby while you take a shower or take a nap. And so that happens for like seven days, but it can happen for as long as you want it to happen. And so she's like, do you offer that? And I was like, I don't, but I will definitely like keep that in mind. So I have one mom right now who's like the beta client who me and her would kind of be heading that up. Um, And so that's something that I'll be offering like later in the year. That's amazing. I I love that concept. That is, that is so helpful. Well, good. Okay. Well, will you, are you on Instagram or what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram right now at Keela, K-E-L-A-M. Futrell, I have to put my last name. So F as in frog, U-T-R-E-L-L. So Keila M. Futrell on Instagram. Um, and right now, that's the only place I, I'm at. And because everything else is just too much for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am launching season two of my podcast. It's called Beyond Birth Wellness. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited about that. So I've been scripting and things like that for that. And that podcast is all about like physiological postpartum healing and like practical ways to optimize that time. Um, And so I'm super excited about that too. Mm, That's beautiful. And, and so needed. That's amazing. Keila, this has been such a wonderful conversation. You are such a joy to speak to. It was so much fun. Thank you for coming on the happy home birth podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. How wonderful was this conversation? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I've got a few thoughts. Number one, fascia and all of its fascinating glory strikes again. When Keela's third child began showing midline defects at birth and as time went on, her intuition began to buzz. She decided to reach out to a fascia knowledgeable provider and ask some questions. Upon further discussion, Keela and her family traveled five hours for a three-day intensive for her son, Bear. And the results? Well, they were incredible. My friends, I recorded this episode before hosting the Craniosacral Fascial Therapy Conference, or the Gillespie Approach, in Greenville. And now, listening back, I'm just so excited. 
We had an infant travel to receive bodywork for craniostenosis, the very same diagnosis that Bear had. And just like him, this baby experienced massive change. This work is just constantly amazing me. If you ever wonder, could this be related to the fascia? Please consider reaching out. And I will once again link the Gillespie Approach Facebook group where you can search for providers in your area in the show notes. Next, we've got to talk about the lessons Keela learned between her first and second postpartum. She realized just how little she'd allowed herself to heal the first time around, and she was determined to know better, do better, as she puts it, with both baby number two and number three. And because this change was so profound to her, she now dedicates her time to supporting other mothers as they move into their fresh new role. What a gift. And finally, when it comes to experiencing a beautiful postpartum, just like home birth, it typically takes planning and consideration beforehand. Now, birth and postpartum are physiological events, as natural as can be. But our society is so disconnected with the process that we have to build up an arsenal of support for both beforehand. It is so much easier to prepare ahead of time than to try to figure it out as we are wading through the thick of it. Though if that is you, reach out for help. It is not too late. Okay, my friends, what a refreshing conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. That's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.